Gospel Message, Week 60, God is Love. The statement, God is love, has been interpreted by many to mean that God loves everyone, no matter what. That interpretation further insinuates that no matter how much we continue to sin, God loves us anyway because he is love. This, I believe, is a very false assumption. The same Bible that says God is love also says our God is a consuming fire, Deuteronomy 4.24 and Hebrews 12.29. It is also the same Bible that says it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a living God, Hebrews 10.31. Whenever I see quotes stating that no matter how sinful we are, God loves us, I've always told myself that I know what they mean. The danger, however, lies in the biblical inaccuracy of this statement and how that inaccuracy can and does deceive people about the truth of God's ways and God's nature. Does God forgive sin? Yes, he does. Quote, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. End quote. First John 1 9. Quote, I acknowledged my sin unto thee and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. End quote. Psalm 39, Psalm 32, 5. God does forgive sin. However, the forgiveness of sin must be preceded by both the acknowledgement and the repentance of the sin. The same Bible that cites these passages about God's forgiveness also tells us that those who are in Christ cannot continue to sin. Quote, whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. End quote. First John chapter 3, verse 6, and verses 8 to 9. We know that the platform of John the Baptist's ministry was repentance. John was the forerunner of the one whose blood took our sin away. To establish the truth that repentance must precede absolution. Jesus, whose blood was shed to wash away our sin in the atonement, then established that absolution must then lead to regeneration. According to the word of God, a regenerate person cannot continue in the sinful life that led him or her to repent in the first place. Repentance is not only the acknowledgement of grieving God, it is also the grief of the sinner at having grieved God. Jesus came as the propitiation to provide the saved sinner with a means to now get back to God. God does not overlook sin 
outside the blood of Jesus Christ. He cannot. Jesus lived and died for the sole purpose of reconciling the regenerate sinner to God. Therefore, if we are in Christ, we are new creations. Old things, meaning the sinful life, have passed away, and all things are new in Christ Jesus. That is why it is an absolute lie of Satan that tells us that even though we've been saved and yet continue to live as we did when we were not saved, it's okay because God is love. If this is our situation, then we were never saved to begin with. To say that God loves us all, no matter what we do, would indicate that God loves Lucifer, a.k.a. Satan, a.k.a. the devil, even though he is the representation of everything that is contrary to God. Need I say any more on the absurdity of that notion? The Old Testament account repeatedly cites God pleading with the Israelites who had gone astray to return to him that he might forgive them. Where his love and acceptance of sin, there would be no invitation to turn from their sinful ways and return to him. The Gospels give account of Jesus repeatedly inviting the people, many of whom were Jews who followed the law, to now follow him. But those who not only rejected him, but persecuted and sought to kill him, he said to them, quote, you will die in your sins, end quote, taken from John chapter 5. If God loves us no matter what, then this statement of Jesus has absolutely no basis whatsoever. Matthew 7, 21 to 23 references Jesus telling us how he will say to some on judgment day to depart from him as he never knew them, even though they called him Lord, Lord, and prophesied and cast out devils and did wonderful works in his name. Luke 13, 27 tells us how Jesus will send other quote unquote believers away, calling them workers of iniquity. Proverbs 28.13 says, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but he who confesseth and forsaketh them, he shall receive mercy. Many of us on the platform of confession feel certain that we have never covered any of our sins. Yet Psalm 19 from verses 12 to 14 says, Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep your servant from willful sins. Let them not have dominion over me. And Psalm 39, Psalm 139, verses 23 to 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way within me and lead me in the way everlasting. All these passages simply represent God making us aware of the power of sin and giving us multiple opportunities to understand why we must come to him in repentance. Therefore, brethren, let us not be deceived. God is love. He is. However, the love that is God is experienced by abiding in him. If we are not abiding in God's love, then we automatically abide in his wrath. Do we need evidence of God's wrath side? Romans 1.18 
For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. John 3.36, whosoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Nahum 1, 2-4, God is jealous, and the Lord revenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries, and he reserves wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. He will not at all acquit the wicked. Hebrews 10, 29, of how much worse punishment do you suppose? Will he be thought worthy who has trampled the son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace? God's love, brethren, will never reject a sinner who comes to him in repentance, one who is willing to give up their old life of walking in their own way and now walk in the way of Christ. God's love is an open invitation. God's love is an open door, easily accessible to all, but not all will enter in. And for those who do enter in, not all will abide therein. God's love is a place reserved for true believers, true worshipers, true disciples, true sheep of the good shepherd, those who receive the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and allow it to kill the sinful life. That is the life that follows the dictates of the flesh, the life not dead to self, the life not totally surrendered to Christ and to resurrect the spirit of the life of Christ within us. Quote, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Romans 8.1 For those who walk after the spirit, Romans 8 also assures us that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.37-39 Hebrews 3 says, Today, when you hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the day of the rebellion. Our Heavenly Father wants nothing more than for us to be recipients and beneficiaries of his powerful, abiding love. There is no better place to be, brethren. There is no safer place to be. Therefore, let us ask the Holy Spirit to do all that he needs to do in us and with us to ensure that not only do we enter into the love of God, but that we abide there unto eternity. Now unto him that is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only God, wise God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. Amen.